Brought to you by PrayLatin.com, makers of prayer cards featuring complete English phonetic renderings of Latin pronunciations. Last weekend, Archbishop Carlo Maria Vigano released a new letter to the faithful. He had been doing this earlier in the year on feast days, but then we hit that sort of time on the liturgical calendar where the major feast days were not as frequent, and most of us kind of forgot that he did this, and he issued a new one on the feast of St. Michael the Archangel. And uh, normally, you know, if it's this late, a week late, it might not be worth reading, but this one definitely is, because it's not because it's super spicy, but because given everything that's happened this past week in the church, between Cardinal Burke and the Dubia, the response to it, weirdly seeing a lot of traditional Catholics say, oh, this is just ambiguous. It doesn't technically bless sin. When, come on, people, we know what it blesses. We know what it blesses. Let's stop lying to ourselves. Let's accept reality here. We know what <laughs> what they meant with their blessing nonsense. As well as that other dubia that other people haven't talked about yet. Um, we have... And Laudato C2, which just further sold the church out to the secular rulers of the, of the world. We have this, a prayer to St. Michael the Archangel from Archbishop Vigano. And it's not really a prayer to St. Michael. It's, it's just his explanation for the feast day and the role St. Michael plays in destroying heresies and things. And it's so, I think, so good and so timely that on this Sunday, it's worth your checking out. In addition to the more hope-filled piece that I have also for you today from G.K. Chesterton, so check that out. Let us pray to St. Michael in these hours of great trial for the Church. By Archbishop Carlo Maria Vigano. The celestial basilica of San Michele Arcangelo on Mount Gargano in Puglia is a very particular place of worship. It owes its name to the fact that on the 29th of September of the year 493, it was personally consecrated by the archangel, and is in fact the only church in the entire Catholic world that was not dedicated during a ceremony officiated by a bishop. Saint Michel had already appeared in 490 to a notable from the Gargano, and on the 8th of May to San Lorenzo Margerano, Bishop of Siponto. I am the archangel Michael, and I am always in the presence of God. The cave is sacred to me. I chose it, and I am its vigilant guardian. Where the rock opens up, the sins of men can be forgiven. What is asked for in prayer will be answered. So he dedicates the cave to Christian worship. With these words, the prince of the celestial army, who appeared in the guise of a young man, had ordered the bishop to consecrate to him a remote cave in the mountains, after having led the battle against Odoosir and defeated him, and put him to flight with thunder, lightning, and sandstorm, and hail. When on the orders of Pope Galatius I, the bishops of Puglia went to celebrate the rite, eagles accompanied them on the climb to Gargano, spreading their wings to protect them from the heat. But once they reached the mountain, they found the cave already consecrated, with an altar covered by a red pallium, and surrounded by a precious crystal cross. The footprint of the archangel still remains on a rock today, with the proportions of a young boy's foot. It is not your job to consecrate the basilica I built, I who founded it. I myself consecrated it. The celestial basilica, to which a real basilica was later added as we still see it today, constitutes together with other temples dedicated to St. Michael, an imaginary line that goes from Ireland to Israel. Skelly Michael, Ireland, St. Michael's Mount, Great Britain, Mont Saint-Michel, France, La Sacra di Saint-Michel, Piedmont, Sanctuary of Mont Sant'Angelo in Puglia, and the Monastery of San Michel, Greece, 
and the monastery of Monte Carmelo in Israel. Tradition has it that this line was drawn by the sword of the archangel when he cast Satan and rebellious spirits into hell at the beginning of time. What seems to me to deserve our attention in this moment of great crisis and apostasy of the nations and of the Catholic hierarchy itself is the fact that the celestial basilica was dedicated, not by a human being awarded in the holy order, but by a pure spirit. We must read in this extraordinary and miraculous event a reason for hope, because sometimes divine providence deigns to intervene in human affairs in ways that go beyond the ordinary norm. Imagine what splendor the dedication rite celebrated by the archangel and his celestial assistance must have had, and what dismay the seven bishops who climbed up the cave to perform the sacred functions must have felt. Another element of meditation is the choice of place. Remote, perched on the mountains, removed from pagan groups by the piety of the faithful and on the indication of Saint Michel. A cave that recalls the catacombs, the refuges of the first Christians, the caves in which the Catholics persecuted by Henry VIII and Elizabeth I of England took refuge to celebrate the Popist Mast, of where the Vendeans prayed to escape from the, from the nasty revolutionaries in France, a place that in some ways alludes to today's catacombs, where those whom Bergoglio's iconoclastic fury has ostracized from the churches gather to welcome the unclean idol of the Pacamama, the feasts of the community of Sant'Egidio, the shouts of the Musian and the doctors, new priests, administrators of the solution to the 2020 problem. And to say that the Archangel St. Michael, who rose to the prince, the celestial host, and the patron saint of the Holy Church after the fall of Lucifer, could have aspired to many other places more suited to the squire of the Holy Mary. Yet in this choice we find precisely the humility that led him to pronounce his cuius deus in response to Satan's non-servium. The first victory of St. Michael over the demons took place in the mists of time. It was a creature, the humblest among the pure spirits existing at that time, who carried out divine justice and chased the rebels into the abyss. According to some commentators on the apocalypse, an even more sensational victory will take place at the end of time, when St. Michael will slay the Antichrist once again, when he will have tried to make people believe that he has been resurrected after hiding for three days. In fact, we know that the Antichrist is Christ's monkey, just as Satan is God's monkey. Even on that occasion, the archangel will strike down the son of iniquity, raised into the air and carried by demons to imitate the ascension of our Lord. In the middle, the history of salvation, the creation of man, his fall in Adam and Eve, his redemption in Christ the new Adam and in Mary the new Eve, the Holy Church militant on earth, its battles, its triumphs, and again the infidelities of its ministers like the Sanhedrin, which also had St. Michael on the right of the altar of incense. Let us not forget the reason why. At the end of the Mass, we recite the Leonin prayers. That is, those prayers followed by a prayer to St. Michael that Pope Leo XIII ordered to be raised to the Lord to avert that terrible period over a century, during which Satan, he would have been free to harass the Church. And let us not forget how diligently that prayer was canceled from the rites of the Reformed Church. How quickly it overshadowed the feast of the dedication of St. Michael the Archangel by joining the memory of the other two archangels, Gabriel and Raphael. We continue to confidently invoke the prince of the celestial armies, especially in these hours of great trial. His powerful patronage is indispensable to the church and the faithful in the battle against the power of darkness. And when we contemplate with pain the separation of Catholics faithful to tradition, we think of that humble and significant choice of a bear cave in the mountains, on which, however, the quote from the Holy Scripture stands out. Terribilis est lucuist est, hic dominis deus est portaceli. 
think of the great basilica that arose in front of it, but of all, above all the perennial liturgy which the glorious archangel attends. And in the moments in which the enemy seems to triumph, let us remember the victory that St. Michael won in the beginning against Satan, and that he will bring back in the last times against the Antichrist. And let us make ourselves worthy with our exemplary life of his powerful help. Amen. Signed, Archbishop Carlo Maria Vigano, the 29th of September, 2023. Very timely words, I think. A very timely res response. But also appropriate, I think, for a Sunday. A little less newsworthy, news-focused. While he does talk about the, the evils in the hierarchy, and Tao St. Michael will certainly have a role in the cleansing of the church from this age of decadence and sin that we are in. An age of such decadence and sin uh, that the church blesses things. I do wish that people would admit that that's what seems to be going on, because it'd be starting to feel lonely pointing out that the, uh, that sometimes the simplest answer to things that we see happening from Rome are the actual correct ones, that that is actually the truth. That what we see is really what we're getting. What did you think of Archbishop Vigano's statement here? Did you like it as a sort of a, a history and a, a pointing of the out of the uh, the various different monasteries and basilicas to St. Michael from Ireland to Israel and how it's almost like a straight line on the map in Europe and how it's almost like the dividing line <laughs> that uh, sort of symbolizing what's going on in the church. Let me know what you thought of this in the comments and like and subscribe if you haven't. It does help. So to share this on social media, that helps too. As always, pray for the church. I'm Anthony Stein. Ave Maria.